0: Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. This week, I wanted to talk about the most common cognitive distortions. Now, if you listen to my last episode, it was taken from a live talk that I did back in 2018, I think it was. Um, and I mentioned briefly cognitive distortions and negative ways of thinking and went through a few examples. What I'd like to do today is go through cognitive distortions in a lot more detail because they're so important. Now, the basis of cognitive behavioural therapy is that it's the way you think about a situation that causes you distress or anxiety. So if we consider the way we're thinking about situations as being the cause of a lot of the issues we're having, we have to have an idea of what it is in those situations we're actually thinking. Now, this can be quite an alien concept. And certainly for me, when I was experiencing lots of anxiety around 10 years ago or so, The idea of thinking about what I was thinking about would have seemed really odd back then, and it is a little bit odd. But I have to say that having gone through this process myself and having learnt all of these things, it is so important for being able to change our mental health if we're aware of how we're thinking in the first place. So this is really the reason why I wanted to go through these cognitive distortions um, today because it's so important that if you are struggling with mental health or even if you're just listening to this because you want to improve your mindset, you become really aware of what it is you're thinking right now. Now when we're talking about cognitive distortions, this is just a fancy way I guess of describing those thoughts that aren't helping you in some way. We have all kinds of different thoughts. Some of them are positive, some of them negative. When we talk about cognitive distortions, we're talking about thoughts that aren't true, aren't helpful, aren't productive, and are responsible for the anxiety or depression or stress that you're experiencing. So cognitive distortions actually date back quite a long time. They were first proposed by a psychologist called Aaron Beck in 1976. And he came up with the initial theory behind cognitive distortions. And then in the 80s, another psychologist, David Burns, was responsible for putting common names and examples for each of the distortions. So what I'm going to go through with you now is a few of these examples, so the most common ones that we see. And the key thing here is that with practice, we can challenge these distortions. And really for me, step one in how to overcome your anxiety is to become really aware of what it is you're saying to yourself in your mind. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast because next week I'm going to be talking about how we can actually fix these cognitive distortions. So if you're looking for help with anxiety, this is where you're going to find it. So the most common cognitive distortions. The first one is filtering. And a lot of different people do this. Um, This is where we take negative details and make them bigger whilst ignoring all of the positive aspects of a situation. So, for example, in an entire day that goes by, somebody might pick out the single bad thing that's happened in that day and dwell on it almost exclusively. So that when you ask them, how was your day? They go, oh, it was really bad because this happened. And they forget about all the positive things that happened that day. So as opposed to going, today was okay, but unfortunately this happened. Then more of a, no, today was awful. It went really bad. And this is a really common distortion. And something that's really important to become aware of if it's something that you do. Certainly, I know for myself, this is something that I still have to be quite aware of. Um, as a therapist, you work with lots of different people every single day. And it might be that every single one of your clients is doing fantastically well, except for maybe one of them who isn't progressing as much as you like. And you can imagine when you go home at night, which of those clients you're going to be dwelling on. And it's something that we have to be really careful of as well. So filtering, focusing on the negative thing that's happened that day, and filtering out all of the positive things that have happened. So the second one, is called polarized thinking so somebody who um, does a lot of polarized thinking sees things very much in black or white it must be perfect or it's a complete failure for these people there is no middle ground so it might be that you place people or situations in an either or category with no like in between or allowing for the complexity of things so people are either bad or good or the favourite thing I hear at the moment is toxic or lovely, whatever it is, without seeing the shades of grey and the complexity and the differences between people and how they are in different situations. And for these people as well, for somebody who engages a lot in polarised thinking, if their performance is not perfect, then they see themselves as a total failure. So that's polarised thinking these people are often perfectionists as well and interestingly being a perfectionist can often lead to a lot of um, procrastination because you almost feel like there's no point getting started if I'm not gonna be able to do this perfectly and one of the real challenges for these people is really acknowledging and accepting the shades of grey in between um, and the complexities unfortunately of life and how it's not that simple sometimes okay so another cognitive distortion is overgeneralisation. So in this cognitive distortion, a person comes to a conclusion based on a single incident or a single piece of evidence. So for this one, it means that if something bad happens just once, that person will expect it to happen repeatedly. And what can happen is a person who engages a lot in overgeneralisation, they might see that single unpleasant event as part of a never-ending pattern of defeat. So we have things like, bad things always happen to me. Another cognitive distortion is jumping to conclusions. Now, I would hazard a guess that most people in their lives are guilty of this at some point. Um, It's a very common thing to do. So without really knowing what people are thinking and feeling, we feel like we know how people are thinking about us so in particular we feel like we know how people are feeling towards us so for example um, if somebody is acting a little bit negatively towards you um, instead of asking them why they're feeling bad you assume it's because you've done something wrong and the key part of this jumping to conclusion is that you don't try and find out what's actually happening so you just assume that if somebody is behaving badly towards you it's because of you so you don't find out what's going on in their day what they're upset about or anything like that so another example of jumping to conclusions is assuming that things will turn out badly and almost feel convinced that if you predict it then therefore it's going to happen So not even to do with other people at this stage, just feeling like if you go into a situation, you already know the outcome and it's going to be negative. That's another example of jumping to conclusions. So this was something that I really struggled with um, when I was at university the first time around. So I'm not going to share my full story here. You might get bits of it from other episodes and at some point I'll do a full episode on it if anyone's interested. Um, But the the reality was that I started failing exams and as soon as I started failing exams, I would naturally assume that I would continue to fail exams and so jump to conclusions. And it was a really, really dangerous and negative mindset to be in, which ultimately led to me failing my master's degree. So another example of a cognitive distortion is catastrophizing so this is a person who genuinely believes that disaster is going to strike no matter what so sometimes this can be referred to as magnifying or minimizing it depends which literature you read so the most common type of this uh, the most common example of this rather is to use what if questions so what if that goes wrong what if that happens to me So it might be, as well with catastrophizing, that somebody might exaggerate the importance of a negative event, such as your mistake. But they might also magnify the importance of somebody else's achievement. So they'll inappropriately shrink themselves and see other people as much better. And this can be a really tricky thing, particularly if you're somebody who compares yourself a lot to other people. You might naturally see them as much better than you, cleverer, better looking, achieving more in their life, and naturally minimise the things that you've achieved in your life. This is often an issue with social media um, and why a lot of people talk about social media not being a good thing because it gives people the opportunity to really engage in this catastrophizing because when you see your old school friend driving whatever fancy car with their family and the house and everything it's hard not to compare that to yourself if you are not in that place so that's a really important one to try and catch because that can make us feel really really low about ourselves and we do this in loads of different examples. So it can also be somebody else's desirable qualities um, or your own imperfections. We we do this a lot. So another cognitive distortion is one called personalization. So this is where a person thinks that everything that other people do or say is some kind of direct personal reaction to themselves. So it might be that the person who is engaging in this particular cognitive distortion sees themselves as the cause of some sort of external events that they couldn't possibly have been responsible for. So, for example, if you end up being late for something um, and caused maybe the, the host to overcook a meal, then they might be thinking things like, if I'd only made my husband leave on time, if I'd not let him faff around too much, then this wouldn't have happened. Making all of the mistakes and all of the bad things that happen entirely on yourself. When you don't actually know if that was a direct cause or not. So in a less polite way, it's thinking that everything's about you. Thinking that every single thing that happens is because of you or something that you've done. Now, it's quite common with anxiety, in particular, for people to engage lot in personalization and to appear to other people like they're quite self-obsessed. Um, and this can be why. This can be the type of thought processes that are going on. So, another example of a cognitive distortion is when we have a control fallacy. So, in this case, um, it's when somebody feels externally controlled and sees himself as a kind of a helpless victim of fate, really. For example, I can't help it if the quality of the work is poor. It's because my boss demanded that I work extra time on it or something like that. It's because of somebody else. My mistakes are because of something else that's happened. So that's an external control where you think everything else impacts you. But somebody who's engaging in a control fallacy can also think that they have some sort of weird internal control over everything assuming responsibility for pain happiness people around us these sorts of people um very similar to personalization often ask things like why aren't you happy is it because of something i said is it because of me is it because of something i did so very similar to personalization so slightly linked to this but another cognitive distortion is a fallacy of fairness. So feeling resentful because we think we know what's fair. Now the challenge the challenge with fairness, pretty much all of us I'm sure at some point were told by our parents, life's not fair. So everybody grows up with a different idea of what's fair. And naturally people won't agree with your idea of what's fair. So. Having a fallacy of fairness means that you go through life judging everybody based on how fair things are. And what this does is it makes you feel quite negative and bad because life isn't fair to you. Things that don't always work out in your favor, even when you think they should. And this can be quite a challenge for anxiety sufferers. Um, and I see it a lot, particularly in mums, unfortunately where they feel like because they've invested so much of themselves and their time into their families, that their families should be doing certain things back. Because it's fair, isn't it? And often it can be really tricky, um, particularly in a relationship, if you have put a lot into the relationship and you're not getting the things back that you want, it can often feel like it's not fair. But the challenge here is that we're putting expectations on people who don't know what the fair measure is they don't know what makes things fair for you so it can make things really tricky because other people don't know that they're not living up to your expectations of fairness um, and you're upset because they're not living up to your expectations of fairness so it can be a really tricky one so another cognitive distortion is um, when we blame other people So this is similar to being externally controlled, except that we hold other people responsible, specifically responsible for the the challenges that we're facing. And blame every problem on other people. So one of the things that is a good example of this is when we feel like other people make us feel bad about things. Now, the challenge is that nobody else can make us feel bad about something. It's only our reactions that make us feel bad. Um, But obviously, the reality of life is that people do say and do things that um, upset us. That's just the way life is sometimes. But having that blaming culture and having that blaming mindset just means that you never take responsibility for the difficulties that you're having. It might well be that other people have contributed towards your issues, but the reality is that, as I said already, nobody can make us feel a certain way. It's only us that can control our emotions, our reactions, what we say, what we do. So that's a really tricky, that's a really tricky cognitive distortion to admit that you have. And it's something that this was a big breakthrough for me personally, Because when I was failing my degree, it was very easy to blame other people. It was easy to blame the lecturers, um, one of whom really didn't like me for some reason. It was easy to blame people like that because they were victimizing you. It was easy to blame the people that were bullying me for making me feel a certain way. It was easy to blame the people that persuaded me to go to the pub for not doing revision instead. But unfortunately, the reality was that in all of those situations, I still had control over myself. Now, it might seem like a really tricky thing to get to grips with, and it is quite a, a bump down to reality when you decide that you're gonna take that on board and realize that everything is down to you. But the plus side to understanding that is that you have so much control over everything else when you realize that nobody can make you feel a certain way. I'm very passionate about that particular one um, because it's such a challenge to admit that you do, um, but it's so rewarding when you decide you're going to do something about it. So another one of the cognitive distortions that um, are ones that I have to still remind myself about even today are shoulds. So people who engage in shoulds seem to have this list of rules about how other people should behave, how we should behave. And people who break those rules make them feel really angry. And when we break those rules, we feel really guilty. So often people try and think of shoulds as motivational tools, um, such as, like, I should go to the gym. I mean, I have to say I've said that to myself a number of times. I shouldn't be so lazy. Similar to this are the words musts and ought. And the problem is, when we think in this way, is the emotional consequence of not doing those things is guilt. So when we don't live up to our own expectations and our own rules, we end up feeling really, really guilty. Now, the problem is when people direct these should statements towards other people. Then they often feel anger, frustration and resentment because people don't like being told what they should and shouldn't do. Um, I'm particularly not very good at being told what I should and shouldn't do and I actually now really detest the word should and the second somebody in conversation tells me I should be doing something um, is the second that I feel like I don't particularly want to which might be a bit contrary but we have control over ourselves so if you're going to make rules it's not a should anymore either you want to and you're going to or you're not going to because it doesn't fit with you. So have a think about how often you tell yourself you should be doing things and see if there's a way that you can stop doing that or change the wording to be something that's a little more kind and a little more useful as well. So another cognitive distortion is called emotional reasoning. And this is where we believe the things that we feel. And because we feel it, it must be true. So if we feel like we're stupid, then we must be stupid. If we feel like we're boring to other people then clearly we must be boring so people who are engaging in emotional reasoning feel like the emotions that they're feeling particularly the negative emotions reflect the way things really are and they have this idea of i feel it therefore it must be true which can be a really tricky one to be aware of because our feelings are kind of warning signs so they're worth taking note of but they're not necessarily factually correct. So just because you feel certain things, you feel awkward in situations, doesn't necessarily mean that you actually are, and doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in the future. So another cognitive distortion, um, which can be really distressing for people and people around them, is what we call a fallacy of change. So this is where we expect other people to change to suit us. And we do this by pressuring them or kind of cajoling them. And we need people to change because our hopes for happiness end up depending entirely on those other other people. So this can be another really tricky one. I mean, it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of self-honesty to really admit that you do these things. But if you're constantly trying to change other people, or you're constantly getting frustrated that other people won't change, then have a think about whether or not this might be something that you're doing. The challenge that we face is that we can never control other people. As much as we might try, we can't. So expecting other people to change just to suit our needs is unfortunately a recipe for disaster and is only going to spoil relationships. Now the challenge here is really deciding who you want to spend time with, because if people aren't going to change, then you need to decide whether or not you can cope with the pros and cons of people. Now there are pros and cons to everybody, including myself, yourself, there are pros and cons to everybody. So when you're deciding who you want to be with, who you want to spend your time with, you really have to consider accepting them fully as they are and deciding whether or not their pros outweigh their cons. And maybe potentially being a little bit ruthless and saying, ultimately, if these people are never going to be more pros than cons, then maybe they're not worth it. So another example of a cognitive distortion is called global labelling. Um, This is an extreme form of generalising, sometimes referred to as just labelling and sometimes mislabelling as well, depending on what literature you're reading. So for these people, instead of describing an error in the context of a particular situation, this person will attach a healthy label to themselves. So for example, when I started failing my um, degree course, instead of just seeing it as a failure in that particular situation and working to fix it, I started to see myself as a failure in general. So an example of this would be somebody who says, I'm a loser where I failed at something in particular. Or this can happen when somebody attaches those labels to other people. So an example of this that I see quite a lot is calling other people things like toxic. So this is where they've done maybe one thing that upsets you um, and you decide that they're toxic. So it's giving them a a label um, which is massively generalizing them So instead of understanding that in some situations that person might not be good for you, but in other situations they might have benefits to them, you just see them as that one negative thing. And finally, the final cognitive distortion that I'm going to go through today um, is another tricky one, unfortunately, but it's always being right. It's really, really important that as we seek to overcome our mental health issues and improve our mindset, that we understand that we can't possibly always be right. Now people who engage in this genuinely feel like being wrong is not an option. And they'll go to quite extreme lengths to demonstrate how correct they are. So they, particularly in relationships, they won't care how badly arguing with the other person makes them feel. They're going to win the argument because it matters that they're right. So in this case, being right is often more important than the feeling of the other person, which can make things really tricky because A, they might not be right in the first place. And B, being right might not be worth the stress and the upset that they're causing. So this can be a real challenge for these people um, because it really forces them to think about things from a really different point of view. So if you're someone that always feels the need to be right, consider to what extent it is important to be right all the time because nobody is right all the time. So that's just a quick overview of the most common cognitive distortions. What's really helpful for people is to have a think about which ones you do Uh, Particularly when you do them, Uh, but which ones you do most often. Now, for some people, they'll do one and they'll do it all the time. Some people will do a mixture of these things. Um, Some people, like myself, tend to do them in different situations depending on how I'm feeling. Uh, So it's really useful to have a, a deep understanding of which ones affect you and when they affect you. Now, if you head to my website, which is www.anxiety2, and that's the letter 2, confidence.com, you'll find on the first page that there is an exercise that you can download, which lists all of these cognitive distortions. So you can have a read-through, and you can start to think about which ones it is that you do. If you download it from my website, you'll also get emailed um, and a video explaining different cognitive distortions and how they affect people too. So I'd highly recommend if you're looking to overcome anxiety, depression, any kind of mental health issue, or you're just looking to improve your mindsets, that you print off this, keep it on you, um, and keep reminding yourself which ones you're doing when. And as I mentioned at the start of the episode, Next week, I'm going to talk about how we fix these. So make sure you subscribe um, and make sure you share this with anyone who might find it of interest. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.